Hello, operator. Can you do this? He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And they complained about Tom too, about not playing the ND. It was free for all, and I heard him say, Keep off my borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick, cause you're incapable hands. Hello, welcome to Keith. Welcome to Keith. Keith of the Borderlands. My name's Keith now. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Keith of the Borderlands. My name's Spencer, aka Free Thrall, and this is Keith of the Borderlands, a podcast about RPGs and stuff. Yeah, will that do? Anyway, this episode was initially going to be about my little solo experiment with chat gpt however i got a bunch of great calls and simply responding to those has taken me up to about the 30 minute mark so i'm going to save that little experiment for the next episode so i've taken some advice from jason that you will hear during this episode where he suggests that i record the intro after I've constructed the episode. So that's exactly what I'm doing now, which is why it sounds like I know what's going on. Um, <laughs> sorry. Without further ado, let's get to those awesome messages that I've received. Hey, Spencer. Awesome to hear another episode from you. I wanted to let you know, because I know you're a huge fan of Into the Odd. Uh, I don't know if you've read it, but there's a game out there called We Deal in Lead. And Jason and I will be talking about it on an upcoming episode of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Uh, but it, it's it's Into the Odd and it's Dark Tower. So it's one thing that you love and one thing that I love. And I don't know if you've read it or not, but we should figure something out because I know you love Into the Odd and I love Dark Tower and I think it could be something special. I don't know, man. I know our schedules are crazy because of the because I'm on the West Coast of America. That makes it harder because it's like an eight hour difference for you UK dudes. And that, that eight hours is tricky. You know, it's easier with somebody like Jules, who's so far away that there's a day change. Um, <laughs> it's just easier to make times during a day work out. I don't know, man. But there's got to be a way we can figure it out. Because I just think, I think it could be something really special. Anyway, dude, I wanted to let you know, we deal in lead. Peace out. Hey, Joe. That was Joe from Hindsightless there. And um, yes, it is a real shame that that time difference is a real problem. And um, well, I've, I'm hoping I've got some time coming up. There may be a few weekends where I'll be left in the house on my own. Maybe we could work something out then. Now, I haven't read it, but I do 
own it. I managed to pick up a copy in the... Uh, there was a support for trans rights in Florida bundle on itch. And it's part of that. I didn't realise I actually owned it, but I do. It's something I was considering picking up anyway, because it's by Odin's Beard. And I have the Walden Saga Rune Cairn hack of Cairn, which is another Into the Odd hack. It's kind of a Viking Age post-Ragnarok setting, which is a really nice little book. Um, so, yeah, we deal in lead with definitely on my radar and I managed to purchase it without even realizing however I'm not as big a fan of the western genre you know all that rugged individualism kind of gets stuck in my craw (laughs) but Joe's got a little more to say about the nature of the setting he mentioned there that he was on Nerds RPG Variety Cast discussing that Stephen King's the Dark Tower with Jason, and that was a very, very interesting episode. I will put a link to that in the show notes. But here's Joe with a bit more to say. Okay, so I'm going to add a little bit more about We Deal in Lead, because they didn't really say much about it. If you aren't aware, the Dark Tower setting is a post-apocalyptic, fantasy, crazy mishmash of genres um that deal with things like ai and human deprivation and it's just an amazing 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 setting and we deal in lead i feel does a pretty good job of giving that feel of the setting with all the random tables and everything, their encounter, their random encounter tables, all that does a really good job of giving the feel for this vast sprawling post-apocalyptic setting. That is the dark tower. Uh, It's, it's amazing, man. It's, it's so the dark tower rules. It gets a lot of flack for a bunch of different reasons. Don't listen to the haters. It's an amazing fantasy story. Um, and We Deal in Lead is into the odd meets Dark Tower. And so, again, it's it's it could be really, really nice. Bye. So it's interesting that you mention uh, the involvement of AI there, Joe. That is That is interesting because, as you may know, if you listen to the previous episode, I was talking about a game I picked up called uh, Mail Order Apocalypse, where AI have kind of taken over the world. Humanity have been sidelined. And while the AI are not out to finish us off, we have essentially become obsolete, which is an idea that um, that I'm really interested in playing around with. As you know, as you, you may not know, I used to be a projectionist and about what, 12, 13 years ago now, I lost my job to essentially the the modernization of that whole industry. As a projectionist, I was skilled in working with technology, which at its core hadn't really changed for about 100 years. And then suddenly, as digital cinema had kind of improved i was essentially replaced and now it appears that ai is entering into more creative fields and many many creatives are 
understandably very concerned about that. But I digress. What's interesting about this setting is, well, I like the idea that it's much more of a a mishmash of genres. It's not straight up Western. It's post-apocalyptic. As you say, it's got AI involved. There's magic involved. And um, and that, that reminds me of, I mean, there's been a few other Western influence games that have popped up recently. Um, there's Frontier Scum, which is a hack of Merkball, and um, something called Inevitable from Soul Muppet. That's the, the publishers responsible for Best Left Buried and Orbital Blues. I believe um, Inevitable uses that system, but it describes itself as a post-apocalyptic Arthurian Western. And what I heard of uh, Joe and Jason discussing with Dealing Lead on Nerd's RPG Variety cast, you've been kind of gunslingers who are members of an order. That sounded very Arthurian to me too. And it kind of struck with the thought that it sounds very much like old school D&D to me because, um, you know, that sort of fantasy post-apocalypse. And when I say, you know, post-apocalypse, I'm not talking Mad Max. I'm talking Dying Earth. Also, D&D being very much like the Old West, the way things are structured, but with medieval trappings. Uh, I've got the keep on the borderlands in my mind when I'm saying that that kind of new world fantasy. And the Old West, I mean, that is American folklore, isn't it? At this point, I go off on a bit of a tangent about the European medieval experience and start getting into the sort of convoluted history of the British Isles, which is something that I'm very interested in, but it was too much of a digression to be included here. So uh, I might go into it in another episode. But for now, I want to keep to the subject matter in hand. So, yeah, Joe, thanks for that. I will certainly be giving We Deal in Lead a read. And um, hopefully at some point in the future, we can get together and talk something out. And thank you very much for the call. Listeners of... The last episode will know that I put out a request for feedback. You know, just want to encourage some interaction with listeners. And I know some folks are not up for that, which is fine. Being a listener is good enough in itself. I'm very thankful for folks simply taking the time to give the show a listen. But that request for feedback was answered. And I've got a fair few messages to go through. Let's see who's up next. Hey, Spencer, Jason here. Just listen to the latest episode. As far as the opening, I don't know. Of course, the other option is record your whole episode, all your segments, and then do the opening. You know, say, this is what I'm going to talk about. I know a couple of people do that. I, I just, you know, do it off the cuff, but I do grill podcasting, so... What can I say? Um, as far as feedback goes, you have all the good options covered. You've got email. You've got SpeakPipe. 
you've got people, the way people can DM you, um, you, you've got other stuff. So I don't think you need any additional ways for people to contact you. I think that's covered. And we've kind of been talking about this on Discord. So I don't know. I mean, you, you, you can only do so much. And a lot of people very much like to listen and not call in. And, you know, it's just what it is. But I apologize for my lack of interaction, and I'll try to do better. Jason, Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast there. Someone who I can always rely on. And please stop apologizing for not calling in when you're clearly the person who calls me more than anyone. You say you do guerrilla podcasting, kind of implying that what I do is somehow a bit more polished, perhaps. Let's just say the extra editing is necessary because I'm not as good at talking as some of my fellow podcasters. As for doing all the right things to allow people to contact me, um, it has occurred to me that although I mentioned that I'm on Discord, so far I've failed to supply a link in the show notes to the audio dungeon server, which is probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. I can certainly rectify that. And we were discussing this a little bit over on Discord, where I kind of threw out the idea of maybe doing a blog to accompany the podcast. Now, Taylor of Clerics Wear Ringmail. Oh, I say of Clerics Wear Ringmail. Uh, he recently rebranded his podcast to The Whispering GM. Taylor kindly said that if I were to do a blog, he would read it. And um, still toying with that idea, I might maybe not quite go full blog and uh, perhaps create a Substack newsletter that people could subscribe to. There's certainly a lot of occasions where thoughts will occur to me. I will not have the opportunity to make an audio recording. I'll make some notes and more often than not, those notes will never actually make it onto the podcast. So I figured that maybe if I do put out an accompanying newsletter could contain all those things I failed to mention during an episode and just some supplemental material links pictures stuff like that also having a newsletter does give an opportunity for people who may wish to give feedback but may not be into the whole audio messaging thing provides another option perhaps in fact I've created a substack called the Stochasium, that's S-T-O-C-H-A-S-I-U-M. And I may or may not have already created a newsletter by the time this episode goes out. So you may know more about this than I do at this stage. Thank you very much for that call, Jason. Really appreciate it. That message, along with Joe's messages, were sent to me via Discord. Now, I'm going to head over to SpeakPipe because I'm aware there's a bunch of messages waiting for me there. Hey, Spencer, I figured I'd try to reach out to you different ways to show you that they're very accessible. So I just listened to your response to my response about Apocalypse World and the judge of movies by the three B's and all that kind of jazz. And 
I agree with you. I think the idea of players calling for roles does grow out of things like third edition. But like you say, it probably existed before that because BRP heavily rewards that. And I've been in BRP sessions that do that. And Harn Master also does that. And I've been in Harn sessions where people have done things specifically so they could do that skill roll at the end. And it takes a tough GM to say, no, you only get experience for the calls I tell you to roll for. And we've had whole whole discussions about this on my show and other shows, on Andy Goodman's show, back when he talked instead of just did live plays. So I won't go into that now. And there we go. Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast coming at me from all angles, just demonstrating how easy it is to leave a message over SpeakPipe, something I believe he's in the habit of doing. While he's driving, as I've said before, I don't condone, but it does go to show how easy it is to contact me. Thank you very much for that feedback regarding calling for roles. And yeah, yeah, I'm aware it's something that's been spoken about in the past and probably something that will continue to be discussed. But thanks very much again for your call, Jason. Let's see who's up next. Hey, Spencer, Jason again. So feel free not to play this call. Um, I, for one, would encourage you not to start a separate Discord. I think there are too many separate Discords, and to some degree I blame Dave Aldrich a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, we're, we're still both members of his Discord, actually, you know. I think I think you're still a member over there. But there are so many Discords have been started that get so frequent, so infrequent use. And I'm on a bunch of discords, and I'd love to be able to pare all them down. And, yeah, I if you started one, I would join it. Don't get me wrong. I would. And I would engage to some degree, but there are just so many different ones, it's hard to stay engaged on all of them. That was the beauty of the Audio Dungeon back in the heyday is we were all in one place, you know. And, and I'd like to try to encourage a resurgence of that all kind of community together as opposed to spread to the four winds. So that's my feedback on that. I know it might not might be popular and it's okay if you don't want to play it. Jason again there. Now I did check with Jason that it was okay to play this message. I know he feels that it's maybe contentious. I think it's quite an interesting topic. I myself am a member of an embarrassing amount of Discord channels most of which I don't really engage with. There are basically five or six that I do regularly engage with. I think it's just the nature of the platform that you do end up having, not necessarily splinter groups, but I mean, there are a lot of channels on the Audio Dungeon Discord and it's, it's very easy to get lost and neglect channels, even if I was just a member of that, I mean, I'm using the word channels to refer to different groups as well as different threads or whatever you call it. Um, it's it's all quite confusing. I I'm not sure what the terminology is actually. You know, there's groups and channels and feeds and anyway, as you can see, I'm getting confused just talking about it. But um, there are a few. Other channels that I'm a member of, um, there's a couple of uh, channels dedicated to the actual plays 
that I'm involved with. I recently joined the Grognard Files channel and um, the channel for the What Am I Rolling podcast. There's also the channel for the Good Friends of Jackson Elias podcast. And there's also channels dedicated to different games and games developers. So, uh, yes, I think it's just the nature of the platform that leads to things being dotted all over the place. The benefit of that is that you can keep discussions on topic to a certain extent. But, yeah, like you say, it also results in there being lots of places you can join. And it sounds like you're in a similar position to me. You're a member of lots of different discords that you don't actually engage with. But I don't know. It, it is what it is. I don't really see a solution to that. But I, I do agree that it probably doesn't warrant me creating a channel for the podcast. I think I might see where this Substack idea goes. But thanks again for your message, Jason. Let's see who's up next. Hey, Spencer, Jason here. Just want to call in to give you a question since you're asking for things to talk about. If you don't use the three Bs to rate movies, and and that sounds flabbergasting, but maybe it's because when I think of movies, I think of schlock and horror movies and jally and, you know, Russ Myers. And, so maybe I'm thinking of different kinds of movies anymore. But what scale do you use when you rate movies? I'm curious on that. And then if, if you dare, you know, I'm going to talk about this in my 500th episode, but, you know, I think it's pretty well established that the greatest movie ever made is without a doubt William Girdler's The Manitou. But, but if you want to try to refute that, I, I would be happy to hear an argument against that. Uh, all doomed as that argument may be. Well, look at that. Who'd have guessed it? Jason of Nerds. RPG variety cast there and well first of all thank you for introducing me to the Manitou quite an extraordinary film and I'm not going to argue against that being your favorite film that makes a lot of sense (laughs) I think it certainly plays a role in inspiring the great British comedy series Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. I certainly see plenty of parallels there. As for how I rate movies, uh, it's a difficult one. I mean, I I do have a letterbox channel where I try and rate everything I watch. And um, generally, if there's a film that I find no fault with, that I enjoy, I will give it a four out of five stars that's like a solid movie that I would recommend. Um, I reserve five stars for things that I consider masterpieces. And then, you know, three, three and a half for stuff that I kind of enjoy, but I probably wouldn't be so ready to recommend to folks. But um, I'll put a link to my letterboxed page in the description. I'm on there as the 39th man, a name inspired by two early favourites of mine. I guess, you know, with our movie tastes, there are places we overlap. 
I've been enjoying quite a bit of Jallo recently myself. I'm probably not as well as acquainted with Russ Myers as I could be. And your knowledge of exploitation movies far exceeds mine. Anyway, Jason is also um, choosing a movie a month, I believe. And listeners are going to watch Clash of the Titans, the Harryhausen 80s classic. Folks are going to be calling in with their opinions regarding that film. So uh, keep an ear out for that one. Thanks again, Jason. And talking of movies, I did get the opportunity to see the D&D movie, Honor Among Thieves. And uh, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. It was a fun romp. Um, it's kind of forgettable. It's not something I'd rush out to see again, but I felt it does go some way to capturing what it's like to play a fun gaming session. You could quite easily imagine the people sitting around the table playing out the events of the film. Let's see who's up next. In defense of Rotoscope, because you talked about the spine at night, I think to some degree, a little bit of that was an homage back to Bosky's, Ralph Bosky's wonderful work, visionary filmmaker that he was, or is, he's still around. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of, big fan of Bosky. Um, you know, he was a very, very socially conscious filmmaker and, and has always been socially conscious in what he's made. And I appreciate that. But, you know, the idea of rotoscope, the idea of having real model, real people act out the scenes and drawing over them, you know, goes back to, I don't know how far that goes back, but that's how Cinderella, or not Cinderella, um, Alice in Wonderland was done. When you think of Al, the Alice in Wonderland by Disney, it was done that way. I can send you, I, I've, there's a bunch of pictures online where you can see where the actress posed, and, and you can kind of see the work where they've done that. So... You know, it's been done to great effect over the years. And, you know, it's the, the highest form of animation, um, in in my personal opinion. Well, there's Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast again. And, uh, well, I particularly enjoy this call because, as I said in the last episode, I'm a bit of an animation snob. And, well, that rotoscoping technique was used by Disney in their first feature, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And it also, it, well, it dates all the way back to Max Fleischer, the great animation innovator of old who did Out of the Inkwell and bringing characters like Betty Boop, Popeye and even Superman to life. He actually developed that rotoscoping technique, which I believe was initially called the Fleischer Technique, something that he moved on from using. I think he returned to it later on in his career. But as far as it being the greatest form of animation, I'm not sure because, well, for me, the great strength of animation is exaggeration, the ability to take things beyond what's humanly possible regarding movement i mean obviously using rotoscoping you're somewhat restricted by what the body can actually do to a certain extent and 
well, the people who really master movement, people like Tex Avery and Chuck Jones. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I wasn't interested in Disney. It was all about Looney Tunes as far as I was concerned. I came to appreciate Disney a bit more as I grew older. But like I say, I was a bit of an animation snob. Thank you very much for that. Animation is a subject that's very close to my heart. It's always been a big influence in my life. And, um, well, yeah, I love talking about it. And certainly I acknowledge that the use of that technique in The Spine of Night was obviously a callback to those Ralph Bakshi classics. And I believe I've got one more message to come. I don't think there are any prizes for guessing who this might be from. So, DCC. I love DCC. You won't have a good appreciation for the system until you play characters with levels and classes. The one problem with the funnels are great as an intro to a campaign. The problem with a funnel as your only exposure to DCC is you never get to play with the bits and bobs of the system. Um, So I have a love and hate affair with funnels because they don't let you see all the cool things that DCC does. But you can't say you haven't played 3rd Edition D&D now that you play DCC because it's built on the bones of 3rd Edition. Ha, 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 ha. Okay, talk to you later. Thank you very much, Jason. Yeah, I've really been enjoying that DCC game we've been playing in. Andy finally succeeded in killing off a couple of characters in the last session. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate that it's not until we proceed beyond that level zero that I'm going to be able to fully engage with all the weird and wonderful stuff that's there in Dungeon Crawl Classics. But despite that, I'm still having a lot of fun with it. And it's also given me an appreciation for the dying earth because I thought it was high time I got round to reading a bit of Jack Vance. And boy, am I glad I did. I'm halfway through The Dying Earth and I am just having so much fun with it. I mean, it's really great world building with very little in the way of exposition dumps. This is real kind of this love of archaic language and but a real economy with words there's no kind of extended descriptions of anything he gives you just enough for your imagination to latch onto something and run with it it's a bit like being in a runaway stagecoach getting glimpses of the world outside and having to piece together the landscape At the moment, it seems to be a book of short stories. Each story seems to focus on a different character who crop up in other people's stories. And um, and the the stories uh, quite often take really interesting turns. And they're, they're very much about characters with very different motivations interacting with each other, coming into conflict sometimes compromising and helping each other out and it's just just really interesting read and really really enjoying it thank you very much for those messages jason i can always 
rely on you to heed the call for feedback. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed each and every one of those messages. And thanks to you too, Joe. Not forgetting your messages right at the top there. So yeah, what we got next? Well, I'll tell you what's up next. It's a new outro because we are already at the end of the show. I want to say another big thank you for all those calls. It seems things are getting a little bit more difficult because now the Spotify for podcasters method of leaving messages seems to be completely unworkable. So it's SpeakPipe. Contact me through Discord, my email address, or, well, I'll tell you what, I'll put all that information in the new outro. Well, that's quite enough from me. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate all the messages I receive. If you'd like to contact the show, you can leave me an audio message via speakpipe.com slash keepofftheborderlands, all one word. You can email me at spencer.freethrall at gmail.com. You can also find me on the Audio Dungeon Discord. There'll be a link for that in the show notes. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at freethrall, mastodon at threefrall at mastodon.social, and there's even a Keep Off The Borderlands Facebook group. And you'll find links to all those things and more at freethrall.card, that's with two R's, .co. You can hear me in actual plays on Grizzly Peaks Radio, and you can sign up to the Stochasium, my Substack newsletter, and I've also started putting stuff up on YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can at co-fee.com slash freeforall. There's my itch page. Or you may even want to give the show a review. The music for Keep Off The Borderlands is provided by the multi-talented Mr. TJ Drennan. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.